I think this line's mostly filler. Any chance to quote the Buffy musical episode? <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Science AM. Science AM. Science AM. Science AM. That might have been a little loud. Science AM. Science AM. Science AM. Science A. Science as fuck. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dave Chacho, and I'm Science as Fuck. This is the science podcast where I talk about science. That's our tagline. That's our brand new tagline. The science of science. Um, And today, I want to talk about the science of self-care, the science of taking care of yourself, of being a responsible adult and making your brain and your body and your other parts of your life happy as much as you can. Because my guest today is a comedian and writer who uh, has a show where we talk about this kind of self-care things a lot. Welcome, Nikki Urban. Hello. It's so, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and the show I'm talking about is the Nikki Urban Show. That's me. Which is you, the host. Yeah. And I write for it. And we um, it's available on YouTube. And you can see it live in... Oh, that's coming in nice and hot. Um, you can see it live in Hollywood. Los Angeles, Hollywood. Hollywood, LA. Hollywood. That's uh, how it sounds on the bus. On the, Hollywood. Fo- on the floor? Yeah. Hollywood. If you ride the, if you ride the bus, it's like... You're now at Lexington and Hollywood. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> whoever whoever recorded those those voiceovers for the bus was very excited about that. I'm One, sure they're probably the same people who give the tours around Los Angeles. Yeah. Or like, and to your left, Paramount Studios. Do you think they're just as boring as they're they're going through now? This is Kenwood Avenue and this is Hyperion Avenue and Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. Home to the W Hotel and a crack den formerly known as I.O. West. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yikes, burn. Uh, yeah, that's a, sorry, possibly too, too local uh, a reference, but the uh, comedy theater that we used to both perform at and many of other of our friends closed and uh, famously... It's it's was, now a crackdown. Was, was it's take, just... taken over by, um, let's say, people down but in their luck. Yes, like, I will say this: no like punching down at the people who do crack, because man, addiction, it's awful. Yeah, which Ad- ties in today's the thing. Which ties in today into today's topic of self care. I think I have some addictions, but not not so cr- not crippling addictions. But I definitely have struggled with nicotine addiction and. Um, Masturbation addiction, maybe. <laughs> my if it's compulsive, my is it uh, is that considered addicting? It, like addiction? I, it can be. I don't know what the exact definition of addiction is, but I think it's when addiction becomes a problem when it affects other areas of your life that you don't want it to. I'm gonna be but honest. Luckily, Dave, masturbation never did that to me. Can I be completely honest and yeah. tell you the reason why I'm late today? I, I was uh, about 25 minutes late today. The reason why is because I was masturbating. <laughs> you needed to rub one out real quick. <laughs> yeah. I just, I needed a reset. Why do you think that is? Why do you think masturbation does that? Like the act of an orgasm, like, can make you reset your brain somehow. What do you think that is? Well, it is a literal chemical release. Um, you release endorphins. And I think it, 
uh, I think that, you know, we're just biologically programmed to uh, focus on, you know, sex and sexual stimulation in our heads, especially when things get stressful or if it's been a while since somebody's touched you in that nice way. And I, I think it. I think masturbation is a healthy release. We on the first episode of the Nikki Urban Show, uh, we wrote a masturbation song about how it's it's fine and it's healthy to masturbate as long as it's not in public. Yep. I think the refrain was just don't do it on the bus. Just don't do it on the bus. That's not how it went. <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was something. It was a song. That sounded nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that, but you get the gist. Um, well, thanks for being honest. Do, do you feel uh, refreshed and I, Truly, I did. I, I was like, oh, because I felt like a little just sleepy and sort of... Uh, I had already had a, a half a day already that existed. <laughs> yeah. Just needed to reset. And truly, it did help. Um, I do... I don't... This has been something I went to therapy the, for the past like three months just sort of like intense therapy and my therapist well basically he, what he would say is that masturbation is like it's not it's not like the healthiest thing to like just like masturbate all the time or like mas he was trying to imply that masturbating can make it harder for like you to have good connected Other. sex with another like with a partner because it objectifies like body parts, and I'm. I I've never seen a study that said that masturbation was detrimental to sex life. Oh, maybe it wasn't masturbation. Maybe it was just porn, like watching porn. Or porn, I think, used responsibly. Yeah. Like everything, you know, has its limits, and everything in moderation, I guess, is the old adage. Do you think voyeurism is part of the human condition? Just like watching other people. Yeah. Do you do you feel porn is voyeuristic? Because sometimes I feel like it's more. You're literally watching people. Yeah, but it's also like you're. In my case, and and maybe this is uh, in 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 sort of uh, more male people's case, is is imagining yourself as you know, the cock that you're watching. You know fucking somebody so it's less voyeuristic and more like uh transference or fantasy self-fantasy okay i get that but who's to say that's not voyeuristic as well like voyeurism yeah. could be because that could still be voyeuristic yeah you're getting a reaction out of it you're watching it still mm -hmm. i'm voyeuristic about it for sure yeah have you ever watched people in real life having sex yes okay um was it a turn on or like, you know, like if I had a roommate that was <laughs> like, you know, banging next, banging door. next door, I'd be like, I've definitely had roommates I could hear. I've never watched a roommate fuck, but I've definitely heard roommates, you know, through the walls before. It's not a turn on in that case. <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up, you damn kids. Good times. I've never uh, I've never masturbated to listening to roommates. I, that's just a little too uh, personal, I think. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I won't ask if you have. I have not. Uh, well, okay, here's the thing. I would hear it, and I'd be like, oh, man, that sounds like sex. I'm horny now because, ooh, sex. Uh, and then I would, like, 
masturbate, not thinking of them or not actively listening to them. But I would be like, oh, well, if they're getting laid, at least I should be able to do this. Yeah. And that was before I watched porn because I, I didn't have like a phone to hold on to or like a proper laptop. So I just used the old good old imagination. The noggin. The old noggin. Come up with some, and even still, when I watch porn, I make up different stories. Like I, I have to like, uh, I have to see, like imagine a scenario that would be like a sexy scenario to be to get into that sexual position. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like it can't just be like, like I'm not going by what the title says, except that I refuse hands down to click on anything that is incest related, or which is hard to. Uh, yeah. To click around these days. Oh my gosh, it's everywhere. Okay, can we talk about the science of that? Yeah. Why is why is I incest so hot right now? Not hot. It's not. It's. I don't believe it's hot. For the record. Oh yeah. Why not, is it popular? Not sexually right now? hot, but it's hot in the sense of like uh, trendy. Yeah. I think I feel like it's ebbing more than it uh, than it was like a year or two ago. But I feel like there's a real. There's something about American society that's real, that's becoming infantilizing in a sense. Ooh, yes. You know, it's like we, we're we're sort of, um, we're sort of told that you know to. I don't know how I feel about this. For instance, like Christmas is more worship of of a, a little baby than it is actually an an experience of God for most people. And, you know, yeah. a lot of our society is based on uh, consume and, and, you know, nose to the grindstone and work and consume and work and consume. And, you know, you have your family at home and you don't have much social. A lot of, I think, our society doesn't have much social life outside of work and home. And so your sphere becomes closed in and... And I think people just have fantasies of the people around them, and for some of those people, it's yeah family. Um, yeah, I'm probably you know a lot of it is you know young young boys, teenage boys probably have you know sister or stepsister fantasies. Those are a big part of the those porns. Ugh. But I mean, there's you know the like stepdad ones. Yeah, it should just be illegal. That's they're just creepy. Even though you know, I know uh, logically that those that that <laughs> those two people in the video are not in any way related. It's just the title they threw on it and a little act that they put together. Right. But just that. Um, I think it's hard for me to get into it if I like if I have seen if I like know what the effect is uh, that this would have in real life. Like the title will just like take me out of it. So if it's mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I know what the effect of, uh, like, pedophilia and incest are in real life. Like, I've seen what it does to people. And I just, like, can't, like, that's not sexy. Yeah. it's horrifying. It's horrifying. It's Even horrifying. Like, it, it takes me out of it. I immediately lose all interest when, you know, somebody's going at it and, and the, the woman says, oh, yeah, son. And yeah, or would, when somebody says daddy, daddy, I can't. Like, when, I know it's not da like, oh, daddy. I'm like, no, no. I feel like daddy as a sex term used to mean, you know, maybe a decade or two ago, just a term for, like, you know, a, uh, a dominating male figure. 
But now it literally means daddy yeah. on these fucking porn sites. <laughs> Ugh, that's so gross. I don't know. I feel like I've almost written into Pornhub and said, like, can we, can we have an incest filter, like an option to turn it off or oh. something? Because hmm. it's just uh, it's so invasive of every... Yeah. Recently I saw a title that was, instead of saying teen... You know, like teen, you can go, okay, well, that's like 18, 19, still not a fan of that, but uh, yeah. like at least that's legal. You can kind of like justify it. This one was adolescent, and I was like, no, no, that adolescent word, yeah. is not the word that you use. That does not overlap no. with adult. No, not with, yeah, for sure. With 18 and over. You can't be an adult adolescent. <laughs> You can be an adult teen. Ugh. Oh, wild. Okay, sorry. None of that has to do anything with science, I suppose. I mean, yeah, there's a certain psychology of, of sexuality. And I, in some way, I feel like it is a measure of the health of society. If mm. we have healthy porn uh, thoughts or... <laughs> yeah, you're like judging tastes. where we are in society based off of what's popular in pornography. Like the aughts, I felt like the... The, the red flag in the aughts was when every woman in porn went completely bald. Oh, yeah. And th it, I thought that was a very, also, uh, to use the same word, infantilizing. It, it makes, you know, you know, it makes a vagina look like, or a vulva look, yeah. look like, you know, it's a prepubescent one. Um, now it's, th there's not so, you know, hair is starting to come back a little bit. yeah. Um, it's not such a like fetish, I guess, to just be completely right. hairless. I always thought the hair removal thing, like the waxing or lasering, was for the look of it, the visual. Like, oh, you can see, you can see, see the penetration see more, more clearly. More vulva. Yeah, or see more like the effect that labia. it has upon. Uh, the clitoris, with, when the clitoris engorges, you can see it more clearly when there is unfettered by <laughs> curly coarse hair. Yeah, but um, you, get a, you can get the same, you can still see the labia with a nice trim yeah. bush. <laughs> I find it more attractive when there's a little bit of hair. It just seems more like a real person. I don't know. Yeah, no, I feel you. But um, that's just me. I'm sure. I, I feel like these bandwagons, like a few people started saying, oh, I like I like it shaved. And then people just jumped on this bandwagon. And for a while, everyone was like, yeah, shaved. And then it was like then it kind of moved over into this weird incest porn area. Yeah. Just going down this path. Yeah. Oof. I don't know. What's next? A healthy reawakening? Hopefully. I like the the trend that's like, oh, massage and then cuz yeah. then it's like, oh, that's like self like that's self-care. That's like somebody giving like genuine giving, pleasure giving to two people giving each other two or more people giving each other pleasure for the sake of being nice. Yeah. That should be a Right, I'm like that should be a porn trend. Yeah, it, I feel like my porn, my two porn people who seem to actually enjoy each other and <laughs> exactly. want to make each other happy. That's that's how my taste in porn has like transferred for sure. It's like oh, used to be real into just like 
crazy like DVP dap I don't know gangbang orgy and now I'm just like I just want to watch two people who really like each other uh, have consensual kind sex where they're you know there's an equal amount of give and take usually like yeah sometimes I'll search the word passion usually comes up with you know people that are actually into each other rather than just grunting and beating each other up (laughs) (laughs) Um, or in love there yeah so there, there are these videos you can find yeah, so in summary, masturbation is okay, but don't do it on the bus. What other things about self-care are there? There's, there's one article. There's um, a scientist who's kind of been uh, Lisa Butler, who's sort of uh, been working on this sort of self-care science at the University of Buffalo. I guess that's in New York. Um, Professor professor of social work, Lisa Butler. And she talks about um, this. There's uh, six domains for self care that she talks about physical, how you feel physically, professional, your professional life, interrelational, uh, your friends and relationships, emotional, your own emotional self help, uh, your own emotional health, psychological. Which is, I guess, more your mental health and spiritual. I, well. I like that a lot. Um, so much self-care that uh, that could be like turned into this consumerist ideology of self-care, which is mm-hmm. spend a bunch of money to make yourself pretty. Yeah. And, and she even says, like, she... she name checks treat yourself as <laughs> yes. like a bad motto for self-help right to treat yourself uh, w- which was popularized by parks and rec which was hilarious was not meant to be a thing that you're should be proud of and doing all the time i mean uh, obviously you should be nice to yourself sometimes and maybe have an ice cream if you like but yeah but binge eating and drinking she she says um or what sometimes people think is self-care because it's like being nice to yourself in one sense. Right. It's giving it, yourself what you want. But it's it's a short-term giving yourself. It's a short-term self-care that leads to more harm than good if you make right. a pattern of it. Right. I mean, every once in a while, yeah, <laughs> eat a sheet cake and... <laughs> yeah, eat a whole sheet cake. drink a fifth of bourbon. I'm, I'm a fan of like, a, like sort of the Epicurean philosophy, which is... Uh, which is the concept that uh, moderation is is great. Like it's the pursuit of pleasure, but it's the pursuit of pleasure within like a limitation of with too much pleasure, then that causes pain. You go back on like the other spectrum of it. Uh, so it's things mm-hmm. like no overindulging with food or alcohol or relationships or sex because too much of that will cause problems. Uh, and I, I really like that. I like that. Yeah. Say middle a, of the road. It's a balance there. I'm not that good like, at it. Yeah. I well, overindulge. I I do. It's a constant, you know, it, it's a constant, I don't, I don't want to say struggle. Yeah, maybe it's a struggle. You know, it's a constant uh, chore to your whole life that you have to sort of like be maintaining this balance. Right. And, and, uh, Building character takes a lifetime. Mm-hmm. 
That's why only old people are cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's some behind that. Also, uh, yeah. Also, the Alzheimer's has uh, helped them to only remember the good times. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, not. I, I wouldn't necessarily say all old people are cool, but I will say that all teenagers suck. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> and everyone in their twenties is still figuring shit out. When you're in your thirties, uh, you're awesome. You're awesome in your thirties. When you're in your forties, like me, you're starting to go down the other side <laughs> of the hill. You're still awesome, but you're awesome and tired. And rapidly declining. Yes, <laughs> awesome and tired. Slowly, like little pieces of your body are falling apart. Like it's <laughs> right. Like you, like there's some curse against you. It's like every time I sit in a soft chair and get up, I leave a little piece of myself behind. <laughs> Um, so yeah, moderation and, and then, um, also like pattern, uh, patterns, habits, like if you get in the habit of drinking two sodas every day, you'll have, you'll be way sicker. This is from a, uh, September 2019 study, very recent, uh, from the university of Singapore that studied people who, oh wait, this, this is the T one. I was going to start with the soft drink one. Uh, this is the research on cancer. Uh, the International Agency for Research on Cancer. If you consume two soft drinks a day, you are a higher risk for for all death. What do they call it? All-cause mortality. Oh, my gosh. Everything. It's like when Mr. Burns gets a checkup and the doctor's like, you have everything. <laughs> um so, does this include diet sodas? Because I know people who are obsessed with Diet Coke. Yeah, diet soda is not good for you either. This was um, any sort of uh, artificial sugar-sweetened or artificially sweetened soft drinks count towards this study. Wow. So, on the one hand, they, some people they were studying had take people that drink about two a day, and then another group who drinks less than one a month soda. Okay. And I would put myself in that group. I don't drink, I drink a million of these Spindrifts and LaCroix, but they don't have any sugars in them. Right. Artificial sugars. So I don't drink any sweetened sodas except maybe, you know, a gin and Coke every once in a while. Gin and Coke? Gin and Coke. Ugh. Jack and Coke is what I was trying to say. Um, I don't know. I've never had a gin and Coke. Is it good? I wonder. Probably not. It, it might be. But, uh, Drinking any kind of soda increases your risk uh, for cancer, heart disease, digestion diseases. Um, I believe that. I get diarrhea every time I have Coca-Cola. Oh, really? Which is yeah. crazy to me. Okay, growing up, that is all we drank. I feel like I we only drank soda. I wouldn't mm-hmm. drink water because I'd be like, water tastes gross because I was so used to drinking soda. Yeah. And like we couldn't do juice because there was too many people in the house and juice was expensive. But soda... Soda, you could get a two liter for like 75 cents. Yeah. And that would last you like two days. So that's what my parents would do. They would buy soda. They tried. They tried to like get or try to get us to drink water. But we just like we refused. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So when I went to college, like my soda intake started going down and I started drinking tea and I was like, Losing weight and feeling better and wasn't having as many stomach aches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you 
if you cut out soda, even diet, even diet makes you gain weight. I, I have I've read a study because it it still trips the same uh, hunger response in your brain that makes you want to eat more. Yeah. Diet soda makes you eat more. Um, and artificial sweeteners in general. If you cut out soda, you'll probably lose, the average person will probably lose 20 pounds in a, you know, in a month if you go from drinking it every day to not at all. Um, and speaking of tea, uh, to my parents' credit, when I was growing up, we could only have one soda a month as a treat. Oh, wow. And we, my dad sort of uh, got me hooked on my addiction today, which is iced tea. I drink a lot of iced tea, but un- completely unsweetened iced tea with like maybe a little lemon. Ooh, or um, some mint. And some mint mm. from the garden. Mm. Delicious. Mm. Um, and, you know, that was a good piece of uh, parenting by my parents. I, I think I highly recommend whenever, you know, people go to restaurants or something, if you get, you know, go through the drive through at Burger King, if you get a an iced tea unsweetened instead of a soda, you cut like the calories um, almost in half. Wow. For yeah. Your meal. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that leads me to the study I started to talk about earlier. The National University of Singapore found a study that people who drink tea, um, these were older adults. Uh, above the age of 60, um, were had much healthier cognition. Um, they showed less cognition decline um, by 50% less co- cognition cognitive decline um, if you drank tea every day. Wow. And this, this includes uh, black tea, green tea, and oolong tea were the ones that they tested for. So um, this is a pretty small sample size. So this isn't like, you know, it was only 36 adults. So this isn't one to like, uh, it's not a definitive study, but it indicates that just drinking some green or black tea every day kind of helps, they think, keep your brain Yeah, protect, protect your neural pathways. It's got those free radicals, those antioxidants yeah. that get in there, coat your shit. Whatever all those things are. Yeah. Any, oh, man. And if you oxidants. combine shit like that, okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm somewhat, obs- uh, like, I think about a lot, like, the concept of, like, being a superhuman. And I know there's, like, there's, mm-hmm. like, people who really try it, like, who really try to be, like, oh, I'm going to be a superhuman and do everything a specific way to be the most the best yeah. most functioning me i can be i, I uh, think um yeah i think science fiction writer ray kurzweil or science and science fiction writer ray kurzweil is one of those people he's maybe in his 60s and he's trying to live long enough to live forever because oh he believes that we're on the precipice of of being somewhat immortal not forever but Wow. Of humans living hundreds and hundreds of years, we're almost to the point of cracking that bit of science, either by uh, merging ourselves into our technology, and there's, there's a possibility, you know, like uploading yourself into the internet, or also by medical advancements that can just make humans um, not die of old age. Mm. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, so you were saying about. Superhumans. Yeah, like, I don't. I feel like there's, 
there's like little steps you can take, like habits you can build that will like that will take uh, parts of your body that are susceptible to damage that are like tender little vulnerable parts of your body, like your mm -hmm. neural pathways and shit like that, and your synapses and all that. And using things like food, <laughs> you can food and like ment and work, like mental work, like meditation, things like that, or just creating more positive habits with your thoughts. You can protect these things and create these like fortresses in your body, and that's wild to me. That's mm -hmm. wild, but oh, all what of do you this mean stuff by fortresses? You're just uh, building up your immunities yeah. and your yeah, building up defenses. your immunities, building up your connections in your body, uh, taking like fortifying things by taking away things that uh, are damaging to it, like sugar and things like that. Like because your sugar puts your body in stress. Yeah. Uh, taking away the things that cause the stress can help, like, fortify the body. I've been doing it the opposite way my whole life, where I've just been like, oh, if I beat this shit up enough, it's like a, it's like a muscle. It'll make it stronger. It'll make it stronger. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think I am, I am dying. I feel like I am dying all the time. That's it's because interesting. Because I'm so like so bad with my body i grew up with that philosophy too i think a lot of americans do maybe in your teens and 20s feel like oh to be the strongest possible person i should beat the crap out of myself yeah push myself and, to like, the limit form all these calluses and i sh i remember i was like i if i if I eat ice cream for breakfast, then I'll be able to eat ice cream for breakfast. Kind of in a like a circular logic that like yes, I can do this because I'm strong enough to do this kind of thing. Yes. Um, but you know, I mean, you know, maybe a, a little bit of uh, experimentation is fine, but it doesn't generally make you stronger to uh, to treat yourself like shit, especially nutrition-wise. No, that's very true. And emotionally, too, probably. Um, Feels good in the moment, but afterwards, you hate yourself. You're surrounded by McDonald's wrappers. <laughs> yeah. Sweet and sour sauce. Your emotions are on a roller Everywhere. coaster from all those, <laughs> all those weird uh, additives that are coursing <laughs> through your bloodstream. Oh, it's those are my favorite additives. <laughs> I love McDonald's additives. Yeah. I'll just say it right here. There's a this is a Simpsons scene where he he Homer bites into a McRib and you can see like the chemicals like going straight to his brain and it just like lighting up <laughs> like a light bulb. It's just like that sort of addictive moment when you <coughs> eat something especially like something like McDonald's that a lot of people uh, that's nostalgic too. Oh totally. So when you, sometimes you're having a bad day or something, you're like, if I eat this Big Mac or this Taco Bell or this whatever, it'll make me feel like a child again. Yes. Back when things were good. This, back to the infantilization thing, I think there's a, a sense of uh, nostalgia can be infantilizing. I think too so. much. Yeah. Like it's it's fine and it's great to have nice memories of the past and uh, your friends and family. But if you get too nostalgic for the past, you start to become angrier and more emotionally disconnected with the present. present yeah. Right? 
and I think I, I, I feel like that's kind of happening in our society too a lot. This might go back to that the porn incest porn thing. If it's like we're we're being told to live in the past a lot. We have a lot of prompts to, you know, love the '80s music and the garbage food you ate when you were a kid, and you know, yeah. like. Uh, and then, you know, be angry that things are changing and there's immigrants coming in. and Right, because it's different. Because it's, it's not the different. way it used to be before. Remember the way it and was when it was free. perfect, when you were six years old? Right, but nothing was perfect. Nothing ever was, yeah. No, you like, then you, you learn these things. The good old days never was. Yeah, like what might have felt like perfect to you, like did not feel perfect in the moment. You were filled with the same amount of... Just like conflicting emotions all the time. We were all just mm -hmm. big old crybabies. Even when you were six, you had your emotions were going yeah. all over the place. You were, get depressed? You I were remember depressed being depressed at six. Oh, me too. I remember riding the bus to school, you know, when I was in my six to ten years old and just being super depressed and staring out the window and wondering what it was all about and why yeah. I was here. And even as a kid. Yeah, those are my good old days. Yeah, I I do recall like I'll like think back on it and be like, wow, like those times when everything was so easy, and then just remembering I was such an anxious child. Yeah, like, and it, I, things weren't easy, and and I um I remember feeling beholden to everyone else, and you know my yes. family telling me what to do all the time, and. Um, feeling like I had no freedom or control over anything. Yeah. That was very in anxiety-inducing. Mine was just, like, I was just afraid of messing up, of, like, anybody being mad at me or mm -hmm. rubbing anyone the wrong way. Like, I was just very set all the time on being... So, I don't know. I Most of my thoughts lived in my head. Um, and then I started doing theater and performing, and then I was like, oh, I can pretend to just be someone else, and that is much less anxiety inducing yeah it does help what is it about um public speaking and performing that sort of um it, it helps the, you be able to, it helps like your social self-care right like being able to talk to people in general yeah um as i, I always encourage people to take you know, that one improv class, if they're thinking about it, even if you're not going to try to be a professional comedian or, yeah, or performer, it really, it's good self care. Like improv is good self care. Like public speaking is good self care. Where would that be on that list? So we had a, yeah, what, let's six, look back at that. We had six uh, items that she had I think there was broken it down to, right? Interpersonal, um, there is With a one of them. Emotional. Oh, there it is. Interrelational. Physical, professional, interrelational, emotional, psychological, and spiritual. So, yeah, I mean. Interrelational and psychological. I feel like doing stuff like performing or being in front makes you challenge a different part of your brain. Like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it would like be the prefrontal cortex or whatever lobe thing yeah like because i know that's the like analytical planning side and for me i feel like it does because it takes me out of my emotion because i'm making a making plans i'm like i'm thinking about things in a more like 
logical, emotionless. So you're way. more in the moment too. You're more paying attention to what's happening. Yeah. And I'm processing things differently, like more intellectually. I'm processing mm-hmm. them while I perform. And I think what um, what public speaking in, in comedy. I say public speaking because I don't want to make it sound like everybody has to go into comedy because that's right. a terrible idea. Yes. But there is a sort of a thing of like speaking in front of your work, speaking in front of yes. your family occasions, uh, which was always terrifying to me. And part of it is what you said, which is fear of fucking up, right? Yeah. I've always, and, and my parents, uh, especially my father was very critical of me mm. as a kid. And when I would say something, he would, he would jump on it and try to, you know, be negative and try to like, there was nothing was praise. Everything was like scrutiny. Yes. And that made me very shy because I was afraid to ever say anything. Cause I thought somebody was just going to jump down my throat all the yeah. time whenever I opened my mouth. So public speaking, um, specifically improv comedy for me really helped me realize it's okay. Like, I can speak in public, and people aren't going to jump down my throat at everything I say. Yeah. Not everything I say is going to be funny or clever or interesting, but sometimes it is, and it's okay when it's not. So would you say it also helped you emotionally? Yeah, probably. Um, emotionally? I also I like that she specifies spiritual. Um, I think it's easier... Easy for people who identify as atheists, like I believe both of us do. Yeah, I would say agnostic, agnostic, but yeah, pretty much atheist. Um, But it is important because even still, like we have we have rituals. Like everybody sort of has rituals for themselves that makes them feel connected to something more than just their own body. Absolutely. Um, Sometimes I even pray to the computer programmers who have who have created the simulation we live in yes i love that it's like i i don't i don't uh this is a cliche but i don't think there's you know a one god who's a man with a beard sitting in heaven watching us but it's possible we were the universe we're in was created it's possible we're being watched by something yeah it's possible there's a million infinite different creation possibilities um, and it's interesting to think about those and to sort of come to terms with, um, I would say, the, you know, the universe we're in and the fact that we're fleeting, you know, specks. Uh, what is it? Sarah Silverman's last special was specks of dust, you know, cosmic dust. Or it's amazing to think of all the shit we don't know yet. Because mm-hmm. all of the stuff we do know already is so, like, magical and beautiful and miraculous. Like, the things that they have discovered in science. Yeah. It, the, like We've got flying who, cars. Who needs God when you have, like, the Higgs boson? <laughs> the Higgs boson, yes. Yeah, that thing. We found the Higgs boson. Yeah, that, that was thing. called the God particle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> not, Actually, interestingly, they called it the God particle not because they thought it was like somehow associated with a creator, but because they because it was so goddamn hard to find, they would started calling it this goddamn particle. 
back in the 80s and 90s, they were like, this goddamn particle, why can't we find it? And then somebody shortened it, uh, for obvious reasons, to this, this the god particle, and they started calling it that <laughs> in, in research papers. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, shit. Have you seen Dark on Netflix? Um, What's that? Dark? It's, it's that German, like, Stranger Things, sort of, but with time travel? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I think I've been um, advertised to for it, but I haven't watched it yet. You'll love it. I just finished. That's my recommendation to everybody. I do not watch a lot of television. Yeah. Um, This is a series? Dark. Yeah. Is it an anthology, or is it like a story? It's a a story. It's a narrative. Uh, And it's got two seasons right now. And I just, like, blew right through them because I was so, like enthralled by what's happening and it really it actually uh the higgs bosom 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 <laughs> bosom but bosom. No, no boson boson i never i don't know if i've ever actually heard that said out said loud out i've out? only ever read it i've only uh, read it in books, higgs yeah. boson yeah okay that checks out <laughs> they have that is talked about in the series i'm not going to give anything away you'll have really? to discover it for yourself okay that sounds right up my alley yeah and there's time travel, and it makes it all feel like, oh, super tangible. Oh, that's a, awesome. Yeah. I just had, we, we just had Riley, I just had Riley Silverman in here two weeks ago, and we were talking about time travel. Ah, because Doctor uh, Who. Yeah. She loves Doctor she's Who. she's so into Doctor Who and all yeah. that sci-fi stuff. But, um, yeah, Dark, I haven't checked out yet. I mean, sometimes self-care is just watching a show and vegging out. It is. It um, is. It's good to like let your brain work on a different plane, and there is something about like just binging for a night. Like yeah. don't like being excessive about it or like w- watching stuff all the time. I think that can be hard. Like, yeah. But also, I don't know because it's just not me. Maybe it's very healthy for people. There is a, there is a sort of obsession point. I was reading today about a video game obsession, and or addiction really. Um, in, in general, video games are not... All studies have shown that they're not detrimental to play some video games. It actually kind of helps hand-eye coordination. It helps with social, what would you call it, interpersonal yeah. self-care because it's, you know, games are usually very social. Um, and all the bullshit about, you know, gun violence being attached to video games right. is completely wrong. Uh, science has shown. Um, but... There is an addiction that is possible. Sometimes people, when they just can't yeah. deal with the real world anymore, all they think about is going back to the, you know, the virtual world and hopping in, and and then just like, I was reading about somebody who lost his his uh, job and family and everything to, to just playing video games twenty four seven. I lost a boyfriend to World of Warcraft. So that you or he were playing. He was. He was. You lost him down there. I, yeah. No, it was just the like world a... Of war path, the World of Warcraft hole. It's like, mm, we haven't like had a conversation in several weeks since you've just been on the computer with your headphones on, on campaign. Oh, my God. Perhaps it's time. No, actually, we broke up because I found out he was never attracted to me. Isn't that crazy? Could you imagine being like agreeing to a relationship with somebody that you weren't attracted to? Um... I guess, if you're new to it, maybe. That's an interesting topic. Because when you first meet someone, there's, you're not, it's not just a physical attraction. There, right. There's like a, um, 
what would you call it when you? It's like pheromones and shit. Yeah, but also just you're, you you can become attracted to someone's personality. So I've definitely dated people that I didn't find, ex, you know, very like. I've never dated anyone I thought was ugly, but I dated people that I wasn't completely physically attracted to, but I was like, this person is really awesome. Yeah. You know that kind yes. of feeling? Yes. But then that feeling can change. <laughs> like your physical attraction generally maintains about the same. Yeah. But the feeling of how awesome somebody's personality is can definitely change over time. So that might be the kind of thing. Because I remember going into a relationship with someone in San Francisco and being like, this person's awesome. I like them a lot. And then after a year being like, I don't, I'm not attracted to this person at all. Mm, um, yeah. And it was just because sort of the personality, I think, had. Yeah. I th- personality attraction had wavered. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag relatable. Right? Re- relatable content. I mean. Because I think it's generally healthy when dating to not just try to find the hottest person that y- you right physically you right. Know. It's like somebody who stimulates you emotionally. Uh, but you should also be somewhat attracted. Yes, they should stimulate them. you. Uh, I'm trying to find it's, the. It's up. Oh, I think. Up. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Here. Uh, they should stimulate you physically, professionally, <laughs> interrelationally. Emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, just like self-care. Oh, that's interesting. So if you meet a a good partner who's healthy for you, they should maybe touch on all six of those things. Yeah, and they can touch on those things because they do it for themselves. See, what we're saying is if you want to get in a relationship, you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to take care of yourself and make sure that you are coming present and fully there. Yeah. So you can share the love. That's true. I'm still um, working on that part. <laughs> uh, on the take care of yourself part? Or the, take what care you, of myself, yeah. The relationship yeah. part? Or yeah. Both? But also, I don't know, not being, not being so hard on yourself. If you're not yeah. like, if you have like a couple weeks where maybe you're not doing your dishes... Oh, what's the worst that happens other than the fruit flies? One of the biggest self-care things I've had to forcibly teach myself uh, is about letting letting yourself off the hook a little bit. Yeah. Not being so hard on yourself. Yeah. And I think this goes under professionally in a lot of ways, but also emotionally. Because throughout my life, especially in my 20s and 30s, I was so driven that I would, and I still do this sometimes, but, you know, work at the computer on editing or writing or computer projects, yeah. whatever creative project it was, for 48 hours straight, you know? Oh, my gosh. And, you know, just getting up to get a sandwich and sitting back down and uh, that- having insomnia and not being able to sleep until I wrote 10 pages, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I've really... Lately, in in my later years, finally um, been able to just uh, say to myself, it's okay if you take this next hour off and watch TV and have a LaCroix and not try to write something and yeah. not try to edit something and not try to, you know, email someone back and just, you know. It's okay to take the, the night off sometimes. Yeah. 
Um, I've, uh, I believe uh, one of my favorite little phrases I say to myself is rest is productivity. Mm -hmm. Like uh, if you want to be the productive, you have to like take those moments to rest. Like that's yeah. the thing like soldiers do, it's right? Like restocking your supplies and stuff. Yeah. Like, like, like when soldiers have like 15 up. minutes until like where they can take a nap, they'll take a nap like anywhere they are because they need to like uh, conserve their energy mm -hmm. or like rebuild. And even just 15 minutes, 15 good minutes of a nap game. can like help reset things. Even at, at work, um, I, I was talking to some other people at work and, and people are much more. Uh, forthcoming about this it's that we all talked about we, we nap at work ah. there's, there's couches around the office and I, I work at a WeWork facility so there's a million couches in different places so you can just disappear for 20 minutes and go take a nap a quick snooze on a couch oh. and then come back refreshed and you know that's nice. Way in work, way better. I just go under my desk in my cubicle. <laughs> I've got a, like a little like stuffed animal that's down there. That was like some sort of like, some sort of like tchotchke premiums from a movie. And yeah. Yeah, and so that's my little like. I just go down there and like, the people I work with like at this point they kind of know. I I think I'm assuming they know <laughs> that I I occasionally go down there and take naps, so they're not surprised when I come up. Although I did surprise one of my bosses once when I came up, and she was like, oh 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 my gosh, and I was like, yeah, I take naps down here. She's like, oh, just like George Costanza from <laughs> Seinfeld. I was like, shoot, lady, I did not know you were like you were down. <laughs> that was that was a good reference. I don't Thank know you. if that's a compliment being compared to Costanza. Uh, I but, feel like uh, Costanza was resourceful. Yeah. So I will I will take the positive and I will I apply feel like it. Costanza was like me, a Slytherin. <laughs> 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 he was uh, he was sly and like you say resourceful. Um, yeah, the naps under the desk are not necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah, it's good. I think instead of staring at your computer for an hour and your eyes glazing over, if you just lay down and close your eyes during the day uh, once or twice, it really helps recharge. And that's professional self-care and what else? Psychological, maybe? Physical. Physical, yep. I think, uh, I feel like naps touch on all six of the domains for self-care <laughs> interrelational so you're, you're yeah if you're less stressed and less uh more easy to talk to with your co-workers um one thing i find is uh even though sometimes i don't want to or i don't feel like it like taking a lunch with the co-workers just to you know have a half hour to chat oh yeah is is very good self-care interpersonal interrelational self-care i'm not good at that I, I i pretend like i'm a ghost at work i have done that at jobs before um this my current job uh i enjoy and i enjoy the people and it's nice to sit down and have lunch every once in a while and chat with them mm. i think it helps office productivity because i've definitely had jobs where i just felt like i don't know any of these people i just kind of slink in and yeah. Drink some coffee and slink out. <laughs> <laughs> which which I understand is, is a way to sort of... Um, I've used that in the past as a way to distance myself from 
a day job that I yeah. didn't really want to keep for very long. Yeah. Um, because when you're like like me and you try, you know, consider ourselves our profession to be artists or comedians. Uh, right. You have to take day jobs, and sometimes you really don't want to. Yeah. So I get that. That's sort of that's sort of the place that that I I'm in where I work, where it's like, well, I can't get too close or let them in on too much of what's happening in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, like, I still like everybody I work with. I'm just, I just, like, have to work harder now to try and, like, actually communicate and talk to them and joke around with them. Like, in the past year, I've, like, opened myself up to that. And uh, truthfully, it's made it easier to go in when you're, like, when you don't feel so other Right, right, right. By your own choice, because you're like, I'm other, because I have other passions than this. <coughs> and then you think, start thinking about all of them, and then it's like, oh, well, you guys do too. Like, you have, uh, most of you have kids, and you're passionate about that, and that's where you'd rather be. Like, we've all got somewhere we'd rather be than work. Yeah. And that makes me feel more connected to everybody and less afraid that they're going to be, like, pissed at me because I take time off in the middle of the day to go on auditions. Mm-hmm. But I work late. It's fine. I make up the time. Yeah, exactly. Now we're just talking about work. Now we're just talking about work. Boo! It's, it is a weekend right now. Well, self-care. Yeah, okay. it's, it's important. There's four questions here that this Lisa Butler that we talked about earlier uh, lays down. What works for me? What isn't working for me? What do I want to add? What do I want to take away? Those are her four questions for any of these areas of self-care, basically. I think it's it's getting to the point of getting into good habits and getting rid of the bad habits as much oh. as you can. Okay. What's a, what's something that... Hmm, I was going to like quiz you and be like, okay. It's a bad habit. You know, we talked about before... We chatted briefly before we started recording about... Uh, I had bad eating habits for yes. a long time, and I would um, once or twice a year have get severe constipation where I just couldn't move anything yeah. through my system for days, and it's the worst. It's just... I've been there. Um, really an awful you know, week or two that, that can happen in there, and it can be you know, dangerous too. So I've learned to, um, uh, eat yogurt, eat, uh, you know, probiotic sort of food to keep your gut healthy. Um, you know, we, we have, we have more good bacteria than bad in our body. And the, and the more you can feed them with good foods, like, like probiotics, uh, the better. And, um, what else? Like, uh, you know, like pickles and sauerkraut, those are all good, mm. good probiotics also just delicious. and delicious. So eating more of that stuff, eating more like brown rice and sprouted rice yeah. and less, less like, you know, bread and uh, my thing has been like white noodles. Letting go of my ego on certain things, where, mm-hmm. um, like I know I'm not supposed to have gluten. <laughs> Like, I know it. Like, uh, like all of these studies are done. I have, a, I have Hashimoto's disease. It's an autoimmune disease. And 
anybody I've ever talked to who has it or has thyroid issues or autoimmune issues, they all say the same thing, that when they cut gluten out of their diet, it, like, decreased their symptoms. And every time I do, it decreases my symptoms. Like, I'm not as tired. I don't have bloating. My stomach doesn't hurt. I don't have diarrhea. Mm -hmm. It's, like, wild. And yet, I continue to eat gluten. Like, I continue to eat, like, like pizza because I love it so much and I don't... I like don't want to be one of those people, like one of those people, and then like okay, well, shut your ego up. Sure, people make fun of gluten intolerant people or fake gluten intolerant people, but like, fuck all if it makes you physically feel better. Like fuck yeah. anybody's opinion about anything if it makes you feel better in a healthy, like genuinely healthy way. Yeah, if, if it's not hurting and only helping. I think you, you have the same thing I do with gluten-free, uh, which is that when it, you know, when it first started coming out, it became a fad that everyone in L.A. was like, right. I'm gluten-free. And, and, you know, scientifically, there are definitely a percentage of people who should not eat much gluten. Most people are fine. Right. It doesn't hurt most people, but if you yeah, if you have an autoimmune disease, if you have it's like there's like several things Crohn's like disease or, or soy, not supposed to have soy or like digestive dairy problems. Yeah, like if you get constipation a lot, yeah, that, that's one thing. Like yeah, you should cut out or at least cut way back on glutens. Now, and that's about habits too. Have you just have you tried to change your habits so you stay away from? Yeah, I, I mean, pizza would be the one for me that. I, I mean, it, I can't. I love it's, pizza. That's like my Achilles heel. I love pizza so much. But there are, <laughs> there genuinely are good cauliflower and crust bread. pizzas. I like. I I made fresh bread actually. That's sitting right over oh, there. Oh damn! It's rosemary bread. That looks good. Speaking of gluten, um, I love fresh bread. I went. I caved and I bought, like Udi's, like Udi's, like gluten-free white bread. Oh okay. And to be honest, it's delicious. It's tiny, but it is delicious. Do you feel? better I, yeah like it's wild it's wild to be hmm. like oh my stomach doesn't hurt like it normally would after i eat a bread item interesting yeah. i should actually maybe do a test and see if i feel better one day yeah maybe when i do that um maybe that's possible but oh, i think it's also like low fodmaps that's a whole thing what low fodmaps what's that uh fodmaps oh man do you want to type it in so you, you can get the actual is that one word? F-O-D-M-A-P-S. I forget what the actual term for, like, what it stands for. What is it? Okay. Fermentable oligodemonosaccharides and polyols. Uh, these are short-chain carbs that are resistant to digestion. Ah. Oh, they, okay. So they kind of gum up the works yeah so things like um like gluten like sugar honey things that are uh, oh, honey certain yeah. certain fruits and vegetables uh are high in fodmaps um uh, lactose fructose not all dairy like i can so have fruits and vegetables. like i can have a hard cheese like a cheddar cheese and it's fine fruit i mean structure table oh wait many fruits and vegetables so I guess they're saying sweet, mostly sweet fruits. Have yeah, like fructose. apples. Apples are like one of those fruits that you got to kind of go easy on. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought they're really good for moving your system. I mean, no better me? than really, and I th really anything else. 
Uh, th- this I is like what they... I did to, to clear it, to, to aid in my digestion. What's that? I made changes which were, um, I would try to eat an apple, a d- not an apple a day, but maybe three a week. Was it to keep the doctor away? Yes, I didn't want that doctor to come over anymore. I don't want to see this doctor. No, doctor, I have eaten an apple. Stay away, doctor. I have eaten an apple. What else do you want of me? I don't know why we got these vaguely European (laughs) accents. I don't know where that came from, but... um, I'm here for it. I love those characters. Um, And the other thing was, instead of of pizza and, and, and bread and pasta switch to mostly rice and vegetable yeah. meals. And like um you can make a stir fry in ten minutes. Yeah. You know, if you just keep your your fridge stocked with a few green vegetables and then you're like you boil some rice, you chop some up, fry them in oil, it's fucking delicious. Put it, some soy sauce and spice on it. It's hard it is you do have to build the habit though. Uh and make like actively make choices that will support those habits like Mm -hmm. if i don't go grocery shopping like i'm eating happy meals all week yeah Uh, that's that's part of it yeah so but if i do and then i buy like six pre-made salads i'm gonna be like i better eat that salad i am not wasting that right and you're gonna spend less money if you regularly go to the store and get like you know vegetables self-care this is self-care this is self-care make yourself Get up and go to the store regularly. And, and you should walk. You or should the walk. farmer's market. No, just kidding. Actually, I walk to Trader Joe's usually huh. uh, right up the road here. And uh, and sometimes I use the bags as uh, a weight when I, oh. when I like do, do, curl, do curls with the bags as I'm walking. That, I, that is efficient. That's where I got these fabulous muscles. Oh, wow. They are nice. Yeah. Good, good for a little, you. A little definition. All right. Thank you, Trader Joe's. <laughs> So, what have we learned today, Nikki? Change your, you know, it's it's something that you have to do your entire life is just work on your habits. Yeah. The things you do weekly are what makes you, you know. So if you if you if you let yourself eat a six thousand calorie garbage meal every day, you're gonna feel like garbage. Yep. But if you uh, fry up some vegetables every now and then it seems so obvious but it's hard to like get past that gap of like doing like knowing and doing yeah and that's just where the the taking it easy taking it easy on yourself like building up habits like building up to that that point but there's also like basically there's no goal because we're like always learning new things so there could be like new goals in the future to hit. Do you know, oh man, what I was just thinking. You know the episode of Rick and Morty called Pickle Rick? No, but... Have you, you seen could, Pickle Rick? No. Uh, it's one of the best episodes of television ever. But uh, there's a great speech at the end by a uh, family therapist who's like, uh, you know, you're, you're bored with therapy the way I'm bored with wiping my ass every day, but I do it every day because I have to. And... And I wash the dishes and I go to work because it's not something that ever ends. It's something that you just have to uh, come to terms with. It's like the old chop wood, carry water thing. It's like 
Chopwood carry water before enlightenment and Chopwood carry water after enlightenment. It, I, this is what self care is to me. It's 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 a constant thing that you have to keep working on forever. It's never something that you just get to and you're done. Yeah. That's why I talk about habits. It's like it's not like I'm gonna go on a diet this week. It's like I'm going to learn how to make good food forever. Right. You can't buy self-care either. You really mm-hmm. can't. Because, like, you think about Oprah and how, like, you know, she's her she's struggled with, like, her health or, or, or mental well-being, probably. And she's, like, one of the richest people. Like, one of the, like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, most visible rich people. And even, you know, she's still struggling. Like, she's still on her path. She's still on her journey. Uh, I like that yeah. she embraces it, but I just I and just, she like yeah. she yo-yoed for a while with weight and and emotionally, um, she seemed to have, at some point, you know, kind of stabilized and become a very uh, centered person. Yeah. I feel like yeah that was kind of became okay with the fact that she wasn't as thin as a rail, but she was also not fat anymore, and she was just herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the kind of thing is like being okay with yourself, but but trying to continually work on, you know, being nice to yourself. Yeah. All Keeping yourself is, alive. Hey, it's hard. Like, I've been in places where I was so depressed, I would just listen to what we're saying and be like, oh, easy for you to say. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. It's hard to get yourself off the couch and make yourself... Stir it's fry. B- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's, sometimes. It is sometimes. And it's but okay. then on those days when it's not as hard, you take advantage and you feel proud of yourself for fucking doing it. Yeah. You go out and walk around the block you and you build, feel better. Yeah. Build it up. I do anyway. Well, um, neither of us are perfectly good to ourselves, but we're trying and we're... I was electroshocking myself throughout this entire podcast. <laughs> yeah, how does it has it helped? Uh, yeah, it was in my vagina. <laughs> you've had uh, that, no, just that kidding. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you've had that buzzer going this <laughs> yeah. entire time. <laughs> I'm just my, gonna put my a, a vibrating sound effect J-Dug. of vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're uh, you can f- you can buy happiness on Goop Goop.com. Hey. Uh. We are uh, blessings. No, we're we're not. Uh, I bless uh, blessings to those intentions. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you want a jade egg, that's fine. But you don't don't feel like you need to buy a jade egg to be happy, or a crystal, or uh, th- whatever the new fad antioxidant is. Um, anyways, you can see uh, comedy written by. Uh, Nikki Urban and some by myself every month. The fourth Fridays. The fourth Friday of the month in Hollywood at the Peck Theater on Santa Monica Boulevard. And uh, when is that? 10 30 p.m. There's tickets on Eventbrite. But we also have a YouTube page called The Nikki Urban Show, and we're putting all the episodes up. So if you're not in the LA area, please check those out. Yeah. And also. You you're on a team called Fembot PhD. Yes. Who's blowing For, up? You were on TV oh. recently. Yeah, we went on America's Got Talent. How was that? Was that fun? Oh man, it was. 
It was wild. We got to dance around, like, be goofy with Terry Crews, who yeah. was, like, the nicest human in the entire world. Oh, really? That's great. I'm happy. I'm sure somebody has uh, something negative to say somewhere, but, like, I just can't imagine it at this point. Well, sure. Everyone has someone that will say something negative about them, but I'm glad to hear that Terry Crews is, He's real is sweet. a nice human. Um uh, yes, uh, but Fembot PhD, we're a sketch group, uh, and we perform also at the Pack Theater every first Sunday at 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. And you'll be appearing in New York City? Yes, we'll be in New York City in at the end of October for uh, New York City Sketch Fest, NYC Sketch Fest at the Pit. People's nice. Improv. People's Theater. Improv Theater. Our sisters. Our the, sister the theater. Sister theater to the Pack Theater. Yeah. In LA. So cute. Even though I've never been there. I wanna, Adorable. I want to check it out. I want to see what my sister looks like. Here. What if my sister theater is really hot? We can make some sister theater porn. No. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Pack Theater meets sister theater. Yeah. The theater. <laughs> and it's theater scissoring all night. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> tripping. <laughs> Why are you tripping, dog? Don't be tripping. <laughs> um, where can people find you, Nikki Urban, online or yeah, um, twi- your, your works? Twitter, at, uh, at Tweets at Toilets, uh-huh. uh, Instagram, Urban Nikki, Facebook. Look me up. It's like Nikki, Adam Sandler's little Nikki, Urban, Urban Legend. Nikki with a Y. In case you were wondering. N I C K Y. Like. N I C K Y. Jelly. K Y Jelly. M O U S E. Thanks for being here. Are there any other self care things you want to impart your wisdom on before we wrap uh, it up? Just self care equals self compassion. Mm-hmm. That's all. Okay. Be good to yourselves. Be, don't, don't necessarily treat, treat yourself, yourself, but be good. Be to good yourself. to yourself. Be excellent to be excellent yourself. to each other. Okay, uh, well, party on, dudes. You can follow me at Dave Chacho on all the things and Science AF is at scienceafpod.com, Science AF on Twitter, and Science AF on Facebook. Did I say Science Safe Pod on Twitter? That's what I meant to say. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Nikki. I'm going to play the theme song again starting now. Science AF. 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 Science is fuck. Then we done.